Well, we are uh, kind of coming to the end of the year, right? We're coming up on New Year's, and this is a time, you know, both Christmas time and New Year's is a time when people start to be kind of nostalgic, right? They start to look back. How many of you would say that you're nostalgic? All right. Actually, most of you. Okay. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised about that. Um, that's kind of one of the differences between my wife's family and my family is her family, especially her mom, tends to be very nostalgic. And so she keeps, she's got tons of pictures and, and all of that kind of stuff. And actually, Anne had to go down a couple of years ago knowing that we would inherit all of that stuff and, uh, and clean it out a little bit and, and uh, had to have some, some uh, words with her about, all right, this means a lot to you, but it doesn't really mean a lot to us, and, you know, things like that. My parents, on the other hand, are not, my family, not nostalgic at all. Like, they barely have any pictures of me. They can hardly remember my name sometimes, so, you know, they just are just not very nostalgic, and the nice thing about that is, is that we won't have a lot of stuff to clean out when, they, when the day comes that they, <laughs> that they pass away. But, you know, that's kind of the difference there. Um, but this is a time when, when people tend to get nostalgic. Um, there's a lot of memories associated with Christmas and the holiday season and even Thanksgiving and New Year's. And, and uh, sometimes the memories are good. Sometimes people look back on Christmas is past, and they think about these amazing times that they had. Maybe it was a, a time when they got an incredible gift, or maybe it was a particularly uh, memorable experience with their family. Maybe it was, uh, you know, an adult child surprises their parents by coming home on a surprise leave from the military. I mean, those are, those are ones that you remember for a long time. Maybe your Christmas present was an engagement ring, or it was just one of those times where the whole family was able to, to get together, and there was just something magical about the moment. And you look back on it and you go, wow, that was just really an amazing time. There was, there's a lot of uh, good memories that are associated with Christmas. But for other people, there are also bad memories associated with Christmas. Maybe it's the first Christmas after the death of a spouse or a parent or, or even a child. Um, maybe it's a, a Christmas where money was really tight and as a parent, you wanted to be able to give your kids good things, but you really couldn't and you could see the disappointment on their face. And, and that's kind of a painful memory for you. And, and all of those memories, whether they're good or bad, whether we want them or not, are all part of our story. They're part of, of what make us of what make us who we are. And, and, and for some, they're, they're feelings of nostalgia. The, and, and nostalgia, I guess the definition of it is, is the desire to go back to days when you've at least built up in your mind when, when times were better. Or they bring up feelings of pain or loss, and you don't want to go back, and you don't want to, to remember. Now, in large part, we live in a society um, that's probably more like my family than Anne's family. We live in a society that likes to move on. We're not, we don't tend to be very nostalgic. We're much better at progress and innovation than we are at nostalgia and sentimentality. Um, we tend to jump on new trends and techniques. And, and, and the problem is, though, and, and we, is that we're trained to believe that everything newer is better that everything new that happens is progress. And, and now I like those things. I, I like innovation. I like progress. I like new wisdom and, and all of that. But the problem is, is that, uh, is that if we don't, if we, tend to, if we jump on the latest trends too much, then we oftentimes tend to forget the wisdom of the past. And uh, 
As the saying goes, those who forget history are bound to repeat it. And and while that uh, saying is not biblical necessarily, I think it's very consistent with what the Bible talks about all throughout. This theme that we see in Scripture that it's good to remember. And so what we're going to do today is is we're going to talk about remembering and how to do it well and what's the usefulness of remembering. See, the Bible has a lot of commands in it. Don't kill, don't steal, turn the other cheek, all of those things. But one of the commands that we oftentimes ignore is the command to remember or at least to to not forget. In fact, in the Old Testament, remembering is a foundational piece of the Jewish religion. Um, Let me give you a few examples. So early on... In, uh, in the book of Genesis, after the flood, God tells Noah that he is not going to flood the earth again. And what does he do? He gives them a sign. He gives them the sign of the rainbow. And he says, this is a sign. And when you see it, remember my covenant that I have made with all of humanity. So the rainbow itself is, is a memory. It's something to help us remember. Uh, a little bit later on, when God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, he he commanded them, he didn't suggest it to them, he commanded them to celebrate what? The Passover, okay, to commemorate the time that God brought them out of, out of the hand of Pharaoh. Um, again, it wasn't a good idea, it was a command, because God knew that there would be times in their history, there would be times wandering through the wilderness that they would be, need to be reminded of the goodness of God. And so every year they were to set aside a certain amount of time and put a lot of effort into this meal that they celebrate so that they could remember what God did in the past. In fact, whenever Whenever God reminded the people of Israel to be faithful to him, he would start by saying, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. Over and over and over, he reminds them of that. After Israel had, crossed, uh, had, had wandered in the wilderness, they crossed over the Jordan River. And when they did that, God commanded Joshua to set up 12 stones as, as an altar in the middle of the Jordan. And, and this is why he said to do this. He said, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So again, remember what God did. In the Old Testament, altars were not just for sacrifices, but they were also for remembering. Um, In the song we sang just uh, a few minutes ago um, uh, called uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, there's that second verse in there that trips a lot of people up. Here I raise my Ebenezer. And people who have never sung it before or don't know scripture, you go, what in the world is that all about? That's kind of a weird name or something. But uh, but anyway, what that is, is it uh, it means the stone of help. And it was at a time when the Philistines were attacking Israel and, and God saved them from the hand of the Philistines. And then he told them to set up this stone um, at Ebenezer to remind them of the time that God saved them from the Israelites. Okay, so it's, it was an altar that they set up. God wanted them to remember. And then, of course, maybe the, the greatest memory that we have as Christians is the Last Supper. When Jesus was eating together with his disciples for the last time and he broke bread and he said, as often as you do this, do what? Remember me. Yeah. And this wasn't some sentimental trope. It wasn't, oh, remember the good feelings that we had and the good times that we had. It was remember that that God didn't just say he loved you, but he showed it in a tangible way. And so whenever you do this, Think about that. Use that as a way to remember God's love for you. 
And so we see this all throughout Scripture, and I probably don't need to do more to convince you that this is an important part of what Scripture is. But maybe we need to talk a little bit about why. Why is remembering such an important thing in the Bible? What does it do for us? Well, I can think of a few things. Um, And some of them are not very revolutionary. Some of them you might have never thought about before. But let me mention just a few things. The first thing is, is that remembering helps us to not repeat the mistakes of the past helps us to not repeat the mistakes of the past. Now, this is true in Scripture. We certainly see this because there's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, that sums this idea up really well. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes, starting in verse 1. He says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. So he's referring back to the Exodus there. The cloud is the, is the cloud that, that guided them uh, through the desert and the sea, passing through the sea is the Red Sea. Um, And he goes on, he says, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. In other words, many of them died in the wilderness, a whole generation of them. And here's the key, this is what he says, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So we get to learn from their mistakes. In fact, one of the best ways to learn is from other people's mistakes, right? Because then we can look at them and we can go, oh, look at those terrible things that happened to them. And we didn't have to experience it, right? And so if we're paying attention to other people and to their mistakes, then we can learn and then we don't have to go through the same things that that they do. And and the amazing thing about it is, is that whether we're thinking a thousand years ago or 500 years ago or a hundred years ago, there's a lot that's different about society, but there's really not that much that has changed about human nature. And, And so we can look back even thousands of years before And we can learn from the mistakes of of other people. Now, unfortunately, there are many of us who are very good at thinking that the laws of nature, the laws of relationships, or the laws of God don't really apply to us. And so we don't really learn that lesson. But when we remember the past and we realize that we are not an exception, then we can learn from the mistakes of other people. We can also learn from our own mistakes, but I probably don't need to, to uh, get into that um, anymore with you. So, so first thing is, is it helps us to learn uh, not to repeat the mistakes of the, the uh, past. The second thing that remembering can do is it can help us to deal with our stuff. Now, this is something that we've talked about uh, before and we'll talk about again. Um, in fact, we're going to do a whole series that we're talking about dealing with our stuff. Uh, But this is also one of the hardest ways to remember because when we remember things from the past, oftentimes it will dredge up a lot of baggage, a lot of emotional emotionally difficult times, things that are shameful, some things that are embarrassing, things that we would just much rather not deal with. But it's important for us to be able to do that, to be able to acknowledge it. Um, Remembering could mean going back and recognizing old family patterns. You know, where did did this come from? Why do I struggle with this? Um, These are powerful forces that, that maybe you don't even realize have an impact on the decisions that you make and the way you do things today. Family patterns are are hugely influential in our lives. In fact, the Bible is very clear that family patterns wield a huge amount of influence over our lives, um, and we can see it in everyday life. 
Patterns from one generation are oftentimes repeated in other generations. Things like divorce, alcoholism, other addictive behaviors, sexual dysfunction, abuse, all of those things, oftentimes we see them as family patterns that are passed down from generation to generation to generation. And unless we're willing to look back and admit that, hey, there's something about my family here that is, that is influencing these things, then oftentimes we will be prone to repeat them as well. But it doesn't just have to be family stuff. It, it might actually be things just from our immediate past, things that we're ashamed of, things that we're afraid of, things that uh, we just have a hard time admitting. Um, there's a, there's a, a, song, a, a line from a song that was written just a few years ago, reality is a lovely place, but I wouldn't want to live there. And, uh, and, and basically, uh, there are a lot of people who just don't want to live in reality. They don't want to admit that some of the things that I've done in the past are things that I shouldn't have done. They're, they're things that I'm paying the price for today. And, uh, and so oftentimes, we don't want to live in reality. Um, we'd rather pretend than to deal with our stuff. But remembering, and remembering our stuff honestly can help us deal with the things that hold us back from being everything that God wants us to be. So that's the second thing. The third thing is this, is that taking time to remember gives us a perspective beyond our immediate circumstances. It gives us a perspective beyond our immediate circumstances. For most of us, it's really easy to... I guess there's something that scientists call recency bias. In other words, you can, you can only see so far away from you, okay? Um, you can only see things that are happening like right around you. So let me give you a couple of examples of this. Okay, politics. There, there are a lot of people, and it seems like, and probably because of social media and all of that, there are people who say, man, this is, our country is more divided than it's ever been at any time in all of history. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's pretty divided right now. I, I would agree with that. But there was a time when people in the North and people in the South were killing each other, right? 750,000 people died at one time. And that's not something that I see happening. But, but when we say, well, we've never been more divided than we are today, well, sure, that's something. But, but I think if we say that we've never been more divided than we are today, we, we lose a little bit of perspective there. And so we should look back, and that's not to minimize what's happening today, but it's also just to put things into perspective. There are, there are a number of people who say, here's another example, is that uh, people lament the state of Christianity in America today, um, that it's at its low point and you know, attendance is bottoming out and Christians are being persecuted in America and all of that kind of stuff. Christians aren't as committed as they used to be. But again, this is an example where actually just remembering should give us a little bit of perspective. You know, for instance, we often have this idea that the colonial times were the high point of Christianity in America. They actually were the low point. Less than 20% of, of people in colonial times actually attended to church or associated with the church. Actually, the high point of church attendance in America was the 1980s. And, and actually, we're down from that a little bit, but people look at that and they say, oh my goodness, Christianity is falling apart and, and all of that. And again, we have our problems. This isn't to say we, need to, we should stick our head in the sand or anything like that, but it just lacks a lot of perspective. And, and not only that, but there are Christians around the world that are really being persecuted for their faith, okay? The United States, we're not being persecuted, 
Okay? Maybe we're marginalized. Maybe we're losing our privileged place in society that we had since the 1950s or the 1980s, but we're not being persecuted. Okay? And again, th- these are things that, that remembering can, can help us to gain some perspective. Um, this is exactly what the prophet Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 40. This is one of my favorite passages um, in all of Scripture. Because it's such a, a great perspective um, on life. Uh, basically, what was happening is, is the people of Israel were in exile, and they were thinking, oh, things are terrible. God has left us. God has abandoned us. Or maybe even God is powerless. He can't do anything about this. The Babylonians are so powerful. You know, we're, we're, we're just doomed here. Um, and in the middle of that, God, through the prophet Isaiah gives a message to the people of Israel. And this is, I, won't, I won't read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a significant amount. I want you to close your eyes for just a minute, okay? And I'm going to read it slowly, and I want you to, to gain a little bit of perspective from Isaiah chapter 40, okay? Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? In other words, the oceans. Or the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing." Sometimes we think we are so great and powerful. Or sometimes we think our problems are so all-consuming that there's nothing that God could do about it. But maybe some perspective is in order. Maybe it just takes some remembering of who God is. But of course, this isn't just on a, isn't just on a macro level. It's not just about politics or things like that. Maybe more importantly, recognize that each one of us sometimes get discouraged in our faith. Maybe we get discouraged because our faith isn't what we want it to be. We'd like to be free from sins or habits that we've struggled with for a long time. 
We'd like to read the Bible more. We'd like to pray more. We'd like to feel more connected to God. We just think, well, I should be better by now. Okay. But many of you, if you look back to where you came from, your past self would look at you now and just say, I cannot believe that you are where you are. Okay. This is what the Apostle Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, chapter 1. Okay, listen to what he writes this. He, he writes this to the, the, the church in Corinth. He says, Brothers, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly and despised things of the world and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast in his presence. It is because of him that you are in Christ who has become for us the wisdom from God, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts Boast in the Lord. And so he takes them back to remember what you were at one time and remember the lengths that God has taken you to. Remember that he has brought you to where you are, okay? Think about the progress you've made. And in none of us, I don't think there's probably any of us in this room today who is spiritually where we want to be yet. We probably all have something that we would like to be better at, to improve at, to have a closer relationship with God, to be more disciplined or something like that, okay? And, and yet, God continues to grow us as we submit more and more to Him. And so, remember where you came from. And let that be an encouragement to you, that even though God might still have some work to do in you, that he's already taken you a long ways. The fourth thing that remembering does is that it anchors us. Um, all through the Christmas season, maybe you've seen this too, and, and it's not just during Christmas season, but they were touting it as a great gift. Uh, maybe you've seen some of these DNA kits um, like uh, 23andMe, Ancestry.com. You know, these things are, are a big hit. They're all the rage. Um, and part of it is, is the technology wasn't available until fairly recently, so it's a pretty new thing. It's a kind of a trendy thing. But it's also a very popular thing. How many of you, just out of curiosity, how many of you have done it? Have you done one of these DNA kits? Okay. Yeah, so not very many of you. Okay. How many of you would like to? How many of you have said, boy, it would be kind of cool to do sometime? Yeah? Okay. A number, a number of you. I actually think it would be kind of cool. Um, but, but there are actually millions of people who are doing this. And the question is, is why are they doing it? Well, the reason is, is because we all have a desire to know who we are. We have a desire to know who we are. We want to know because, because who we are is a sort of anchor for us, okay? We live in a world that says that you, you create your identity, okay, in, in many different ways. Uh, but, but creating your own identity can actually be exhausting, right? Because then you have to not only form it, but you have to keep it up and you go, I'm not sure if this is quite right and all of that. Uh, but, but the truth is, is that our identity is not something that we are meant to create. Our identity is something that we receive. Our identity is something that we receive and it's something that we receive from forces that are beyond our control. Uh, but we live in a society that tells us, well, you can be whatever you want to be. But the problem is, is that it, trying to create your identity is just absolutely exhausting. And the, and the reason that these kits are so, uh, are so attractive to people is because they help to ground you and they help you to say, you know what, this is who I am. This is my, this is my identity, okay? Um, 
people need an anchor. Otherwise, we just feel like we're lost. We feel like we're floating out there. And it's true not just physically, but it's also true spiritually. Okay, that's why something like baptism is such an important part of the Christian faith. Um, The act of baptism gives us an identity. It actually gives us a sort of a tangible event to look back to so that when times are hard, we can go back and we can remember our baptism. We can remember what it means that it was at that moment that I realized that I was in Christ. It was at that moment that I realized that I was a, a new creation. And when you're going through a hard time in your life, um, you, can, you can go back and you can remember that. It can be an anchor for you to go back to. In fact, there's a lot of songs out right now that talk about that. I've been washed by the water. So when times are hard, I just go back and I remember that time. And it carries me through. So there are a lot of things that, that remembering can do for us. But I do want to caution about one, one thing about remembering. And then we're going to get into, I want to, I want to do an exercise, not necessarily all here. But I want over the next week as we get into the new year and that, I'm going to give you an exercise to do um, to, to remember. Uh, but here's the caution, first of all, okay? The purpose of remembering is not to get us stuck in the past, Okay, it's not to get us stuck in the past. That's nostalgia. That's the desire to go back to a time that we've built up in our minds to be something better probably than what it actually was. All right? But, but that's not why God calls us to remember. He calls us to remember the past so we can remember God's work and we can move on to a better future. Okay? It helps us to move on to a better future. Um, just three chapters after Isaiah 40, in Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah is still dealing with them when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to the exile and all of that. But he talks, about, he talks about remembering and he talks about what his desire for them is. And this is what he says, Isaiah chapter 43, starting with verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. Again, going back, he's the one that brought you out of Egypt, okay, who drew the, out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished stuff snuffed out like a so this is a pretty graphic stuff right okay but just saying remember these things but now he's saying forget the former things do not dwell on the past see i am doing a new thing now it springs up don't you perceive it i am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland So he says, remember, remember who I am. Remember that I am the God that brought you out of Egypt. Remember the difficult things that you've been through and the way God has rescued you. But you know something? Use that as an anchor and move on because God wants to do new things in you. And so here's why we're doing this today. Uh, Wednesday is the beginning of the new year. Um, In fact, it's the beginning of a new decade right, Uh, 2020, Uh, but we'll just stick with the year, okay? Uh, This is a time when many people look back over the last year and reevaluate their lives. If you ever, if you watch TV, there's lots of, you know, the year in review kind of stuff and, you know, all people do that a lot, okay? Um, And then after that, they look forward and they make some goals for the new year. Um, And and next week, we're going to talk about some of that. This week, we're looking back. Next week, we're going to look forward. Um, But before we do that, I want to encourage you this week to take the time to remember the last year. Okay, and, and I've got in your notes there, um, I've got 
you know, sort of a method for doing that. You don't have to do it this way, but, but this is maybe a way for you to be able to do that. Uh, but basically, what I want you to do is I want you to look back over the last year of your life and look specifically to see the ways that God has been working in your life. Because we can get so stuck, we can get so caught up in everyday situations, we can get so caught up in things that are right in front of our face that oftentimes we miss out on the ways that, that God has been working. Um, and so you can sit down in one sitting and do this, but I would take a long time to do this. I, I would take some time to, to just sit in this and, and remember, because it's not very easy to do. My memory is not very good, and so I'm going to have to, I'll have to probably have some, uh, probably have some aids with me too. I'll probably get out my calendar um, and look back through and, and start to remember, oh yeah, I remember this event happened, and this event happened, and this happened, and I remember feeling this way at the time, and, and all of that, and I want you to go back, and I want you to, to look at it. Um, and so here's kind of the, the, the outline that I have for it. You can add something or subtract if you want. But basically, here's what we have you doing, okay? First, find a quiet place where you, have, where you can invest some time. Now, for those of you with small children, this will probably be much more difficult, but maybe work with your spouse and, or you know, get a babysitter even or something like that, or maybe after your kids go to bed, maybe that would be a good time for you to do it. You might have to split it up um, into a number of different sessions when you do this, uh, but there are others that you, know, you have lots of opportunity to, to do that. Um, so you know, use it as a time to not be on your phone or tablet, uh, but just to take time to, to look back and remember, okay? Uh, get a journal. Or, or just a piece of paper, uh, something where you have a lot of space to be able to write. Uh, maybe grab a calendar and, uh, and start, you know, January 1st of 2019 and just start to look back over the year, okay? Uh, don't rush the process. Take your time with it. The second thing is, is uh, that you should, you should start out with prayer, and just pray that God would meet you during this time. The, the command to remember is, is something that's important in Scripture. Remember that. And, uh, and so just ask God, remind me of those things. Show me the things that you want me to be able to see. Uh, because I think this can be a very important exercise for you. And then when you do it, think back through the last year. Take your time. Uh, remember it as best you can. Um, you, you might even you know, sit down with your family and go, all right, so what are the things that our family has gone through um, this last year? Maybe come up with some of those things. I had a daughter that went to college or you know, whatever. Um, you know, think back through think back, uh, think back through. You thought that was really funny. You did go to college, didn't you? Right? All right. Um, anyway. Uh, but, but just think through those things, and, and if you need other people to help to remind you of things that happened over the, over the last year, um, then, then do it. Pull out your calendar. Um, and then you can ask yourself some, some things like, what, what significant events happened in your life this past year? Okay? What are some positive things that happened? What are some negative things? What were some hardships, some difficulties that you had? And you can think in different categories, personally or in your family, um, in, at work, in church, um, um, what happened in the world? What were some significant events that happened in the world? Um, and, and just think back through, nothing is really off limits. If they had an impact on you, then, then think about them, write them down. And how did you respond then to each of those events? Okay? Is, there, is there anything that you would do differently? Okay? Did you respond well or did you respond poorly to them? 
And then ask yourself this question as you look back, how did you see God working through those events? Or maybe not how did you see him working then, but how do you see him now in hindsight? What are the ways that you can see him working through those events that happened? What was the season of life? Was it a time of struggle, of strengthening, of preparation, of serving, a time of thriving, a time of growth? You know, how would you characterize the last year? What has the last year revealed about your soul? Have you, have you grown? Have you struggled? Do you feel like your faith has, has diminished? Um, what areas of growth, as you look back, then has God, will God reveal to you that might be areas of growth for you over the next year? Okay. And then at the end of it, take a considerable amount of time to thank God for all that he's brought you through this last year. For the good things, for even the bad things, because even those bad things can, can grow you into what he wants you to be. And so I'd highly encourage you just to take the time to go back and, and to remember and to specifically look for ways that God has been working in your life in tangible ways over the last year. Let's pray. God, we want to give you thanks. We want to give you thanks that, that our faith is not based just on a philosophy, but it's based on history. It's based on events that happened. It's based on events like you becoming human and taking on flesh to, to show that you know what it's like to be us, that you know what it's like to experience temptation and trials and hardship and sadness and joy and celebration that you know all of that. Thank you that you went to the cross for us and you died for us so that we might be forgiven, that we might have eternal life. And thank you that you rose again and that you are alive even today. And God, I, I pray that even in our, in our tendency to move on to, to new things, to innovation, to new things, that we would not forget the wisdom of the past that we would not forget our own past and the things that you have brought us through. So Lord, this year as we, or this, this week as we process through our, our past year and the way you've worked in our lives, God, I pray, God, that you would speak to us, that we would be able to see you and your grace and your love for us so clearly. The way that you've worked in our lives, the way you've, changed us, the way you've worked things out for our good. I pray that you would reveal to us those areas where you want to continue to work on us, where you want to grow us, where you want us to, to become closer to you, to have a deeper connection to you, to be deeper united to you in faith. God, as we do this, as we remember, may we see you clearly. And may that move us to a better future. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.